best of companies are built on small insights. They are not built on great strategies. They are built on small insights. And then there are studies around those in small insights. Hello and welcome. This is Puneet Surana and you are listening to the Galata podcast. Galata is a word from the Indian language Kannada that means the noise caused by a ruckus. This podcast is about starting up while we are still in college, testing ideas, creating a team, building something worthwhile and adding value to other people's lives. Join us as we discuss the thrill of earning your first buck, tackling uncertainties, overcoming obstacles and delighting others. Most of all, the Galata podcast is about seeing, understanding and implementing so you can deliver on your audacious promise. A quick disclaimer before we start the show. This interview was recorded in the guest's car. So you will hear ambulance noise, honking, and a bit of our Bangalore traffic. Today with us, we have somebody who is a graduate from Jain University. He is specialized in finance and has pursued his MBA. But he has started his investing career way earlier in his graduate days. In fact, he was the only one to plunge into entrepreneurship post his MBA. His attitude is never say die and he is an avid traveler, traveling over 25 plus countries He's a fitness enthusiast, a charming networker, but most of all, he is passionate about entrepreneurship and is a total game changer. Boys and girls, join me in welcoming Abdul Say, the venture capitalist and group CEO of Basket Options Private Limited. Thank you, Panit. The usual first question I ask Abdul to all my guests is, what are the conversations like when you're growing up around the dinner table? See, I come from a business background, so the most of the challenges what people find in entrepreneurship and startups difficult. For us, it was like a normal thing. You know, we have been seeing this as we have grown up. So as the entire ecosystem itself is all about entrepreneurship, uh, matter, business family, business background issues, fundraise, fund payments, etc. So we, we know it all. I mean, this subconsciously, it's kind of imbibed. How young were you when things of business were started? Were you put into the dhanda or you asked to sit in papa shop? Uh, what is that? So at the age of 16, basically, I stopped taking pocket money from my dad. I started investing in stock market because one of my friends in uh, Jane College actually introduced me to his uncle who was a stockbroker. At the age of 16, 17, I started kind of investing in stock markets. Uh, I also used to do this when Citibank had come that time. We used to do this Suvidha card. So I used to sell Suvidha card to my friends. We used to get 200 rupees. Per, per card. Per so card. Plus we also had this. Was it like a debit card or something? It was a debit card. Okay. It was just started at that time. Citibank had entered India and they were issuing Suvidha cards. It was free for everyone. But what we used to do is, you know, through uh, through my network, if I had to refer, if, if I referred someone, they used to give us 200 rupees. So my entrepreneurship kind of started in early in, when I was 16, when I, 17 rather, when I started Jin, when I joined Jane College. Plus, uh, one of my friends used to sell shirts. He had a store. So I used to pick it up at, let's say, 100 bucks and sell it in my in my classroom at one, 150, 200 bucks. You used to sell me a classroom. This is way before WhatsApp messaging and all of that. So how did you actually do it? Did you take samples? Yeah, I used to get, no, I used to buy off all the 10 shirts, 20 shirts. I used to say, I'll come back and pay you back. Mm-hmm. I used to go and show it to my friends. Within no time, they used to pick it up. That's how I know. Initially, I stopped taking pocket money from my dad. And it started happening. From the age of 18, I think the exact stock market investment started. I was pretty lucky initially. You had the beginner's luck. In the beginner's luck. So I did make a lot of money in the stock market, which was quite sufficient for me to sustain as a college student. College got kharcha. Uh, college got kharcha, student. I mean, it's all right. Because I always used to get some here and there, some small deals. You know? See, for example, one of my friends actually came up to me and said that I have a shares in certificate. It's not in demand format. But then I need the money urgently. It was worth 5,000 bucks. And he gave me a 2,500. I paid in 2,500, waited for 45 days, converted to DMAT, and made a cool profit of 2,500 rupees. 
So mm. it's fine. I mean, right. those were the times where, but these are early days of entrepreneurship. You, know, you understand the nuances of entrepreneurship, convincing skills, negotiation, opportunity, identification. So those things come up in, in, in those days. We'll, we'll get to all of that. But give me the background, infancy and your formative years. Mm-hmm. What is your family life like? What are, what are the conversations around the dinner table? As a student, what we study in school is all is all fine. But at the dinner tables, the conversations were all about that, talking about you know, business expansion, growth or adding people. In fact, I very vividly remember that we were, we were in one line of business and that line of business was kind of deteriorating. And it was actually going downhill. And my uncle and my dad decided that we should move to the next line. So that is a great thing. And they were discussing that, no, we should have seen this trend coming and in five years. in front of kids. Yeah, oh, I mean, okay. it's all. So they, oh. like, in, at least we should identify this trend three years back. So that was like, oh, that means to say that nothing is permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of conversations were always there in the dinner table. And so it's all, it's a business community. So everything is about business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how it was. And my grandfather was very strict. Since, since we were, let's say, in seventh standard, on weekends, Saturday, we used to go to the office. And one of those days on the holidays, we used to take us to our factory. So we've seen them doing factory work. We've seen them doing you know, office work. So we're kind of glued to office from long, long time. I mean, it, it's kind of there in our blood now. Yes. How did the transition happen? Somewhere in the middle of your first year, second year at MBA, you yeah. started basketball. How did that go about? So basically, uh, I had read one of my, I mean, my MBA days. I had read about, uh, I had read a report of my friend on stock markets, and I was investing in stock market. I said, it's fantastic. So basically, she had written a report which says that how stock broking is a fantastic career. But this was before online came in. I'm talking about 2003. It was online. Was yeah, 2004. Yeah, 2004. So I said. Fantastic, let me start it. But I am from a business family business background. So obviously, I can't just let that leave it. In the same time, you know, uh, Jane Group Chairman, uh, General Sir, actually announced that he's supporting entrepreneurs. I said, oh, fantastic idea. Such a big man is kind of supporting entrepreneurship. And if he says, my parents won't say now. So kind of I approached him. Within 30 seconds, he approved the project. And that's how I got into actually, without even understanding or planning too much about entrepreneurship. I just thought, it looks good. Let's do it. Let's think about it later. We'll get to that in one more. That's a classic story that I hear from most yeah. of the employees. Um, but before that, I also was told that your attendance was critically low when you're doing your MBA. No, during MBA days, it was good because 75% was minimum. Otherwise, they won't allow us to set. But during my college days, it was abysmal. So what are you focusing on in that time? So in my college days, uh, I mean, college used to get over by 11.30. You start at 7.30. I used to come only by 10.30. But then the beauty was that I was there till 7.30 in the evening. So all in events. In the college. In the college. All events, all activities, counselings. You name it, everything I was involved. We used to go for, in, for example, in the final year in BCom, we went for 80 fest in that we won 50 or 60. Uh, 80 overall. fest in yeah. one year? Yeah. My I, God. It was, I was the college team and uh, I used to do more of mock stock as well as uh, as well as well mad ads. So we won 60s overall championships that there was a team of around 12 of us. So that's how it is. And it was more of that. So Jin College was very much uh, encouraging mm-hmm. this kind of uh, personality because they said this is the real learning. Yeah. But then I used to also get 70% plus. So that was okay. I mean, I was not failing anything so they were uh, kind enough to actually allow me to write my exams this is something i observed among a lot of entrepreneurs that a lot of festing a lot of extra technical activity during college mm-hmm. become extremely helpful on the longer run for them absolutely so the main uh, thing is you know i see a lot of students they say that no i'm, I'm just studying i'm focusing on my studies but the world is moving towards being a polymath and i say polymath is basically you learn from various things so the problems are compartmentalized solution is wholesome so you learn from various things and whenever you're stuck in some situation, you get an answer which you had never thought of it because you got so much of exposure and experience. So if you don't go to this fest, you don't organize fest, you don't participate, you don't learn anything. You don't learn communication, you don't learn interaction, you don't learn networking, you don't learn people skills, you don't plan for it. I mean, there's absolutely nothing. You're just getting up, going and studying and come back, coming back. In fact, your studies career sense will come 
what are we learning in theory when you see it in practical things are happening for example let's say you're studying in mba organizational behavior but if you're not interacting with people you don't even know how to actually manage them and suddenly you're joining a, an organization and and you're you're a hr manager or hr executive you don't even know how to manage people because you've only learned it theoretically you've not done it practically so these kind of co curricular activities actually add a lot of value and it's my personal experience it adds tremendous value in your life i think i think that's such a important point it's counterintuitive because everybody today is focusing on specialization and becoming hyper specialist but here you are coming with the point of being a polymath being a generalist in a sort of way these discussions have happened about generalist and specialist so mm-hmm. what i'm saying is that you have a core you're a specialist i don't deny it you be a specialist but polymath is somebody who actually understands and learns and has an idea of quite a few things the reason is the world is becoming a complex place to live in so the solutions cannot be straight and direct so you need to have an exposure and experience which where you solve even your core area of specialization will have will get a lot of value from you being a polymath polymath doesn't mean you're a generalist and you're moving off the track right. you are a specialist but then the exposure and experience what you have of learning from variety of areas and solving various issues actually add a lot of value to your core area as well that's, that's right. how it is because let me give you an example let's say that you are in education or you are in insurance there must be a lot of there might be a lot of solutions already found in other industries but you're not aware of it because you're a specialist you'll do only one thing you look at only one industry you don't do any other industry you'll be struggling with a problem where which is already been solved in some other industry mm. i mean you need to have that information you need to have that understanding you need to have an open mind to learn from whatever you see in fact when you get up in the morning the day should start with they say in that three days no aaj kuch naye seekhne ko milega it should be actually like that and it, believe me it adds a lot of value okay. you don't get ego you are very open minded you learn from things around you environment around you and and it actually adds value to your core area you need to be a specialist because nowadays you know people are looking out for specialist jobs but these are the areas these are the guys who actually rule polymers are the ones who actually rule their leadership material they solve problems that others cannot solve so you need to have all this as well let let's go back to talking about the support or the me- mentor you found in chenda jain yeah. how did that go about because i remember he had asked you to pull in money and start on it on your own what is the story really about i had approached him to start my own company and together along with him he said i'll incubate you and next day morning he said this was in 2004 when there's no yeah. concept of incubation Absolutely. there's no colleges springing up no he had started uh, formally in 2001 itself which is fantastic and uh, informally he was doing from 1990s supporting entrepreneurs etc so when i approached him in 2003 2004 he as i told you 30 seconds he approved and next day morning he sent me a check of 24 lakhs to invest in stock markets from then on i mean of course there's been a my journey but then the mentor uh, chenrat sir is phenomenal because the learnings are tremendous you don't he's also a polymath so he has answers for variety of things uh, various areas i mean i've learned the hr skills or networking skills or human handling human emotions from him because he's kind of a guru in that you know yes. he manages thousands of people around him thousands of students and parents etc but everybody is so happy everybody gets a direction from him that's because of his the skill sets which he has of you know handling human emotions i think it's been a phenomenal journey with him of he being a mentor of what we should do what we should not do thinking big thinking right integrity ethics communication uh, using a lot of common sense never say die attitude taking a first step towards growth and then thinking how to build things never wait for right opportunity or right everything to be very right to launch because it doesn't work he exactly knows i mean he's built so many companies yeah. and he's built a such a great institution so he knows how it actually goes so it was a phenomenal journey and it's been a phenomenal journey now also when we discuss but the subjects or the topics are much more intense and bigger but mm-hmm. of course i i look i follow up on him for all the uh, direction guidance that's right that's that has been the same for me as well very nice i just want to highlight 
with this point that how crucial mentor becomes, especially at the early age of or you stepping into your career, which I've observed so much in Abdul um, over the years. But let's go a little more deeper. How were your initial years, Abdul, um, with basketball? What you focus on wealth and risk management initially, and how did you go about from 2003 2004? There's nothing called entrepreneurship incubation fund support etc etc. Just danda. Business okay, business. but we were like we want to become entrepreneurs etc. So everybody used to look at like oh you want to be an entrepreneur what is that and how does it work? So even we didn't have clarity. So we actually not one three of us actually became entrepreneurs from my batch. So even we didn't have clarity. I became first and then they kind of followed up. So I started with uh, let's say stock market trading. Then I realized that I lost loads of money in stock market. I borrowed from my friend because I had a good I used to do good events. I had a good goodwill in the market. So my friends gave me the money. So they said, okay, no problem. You can give it back. So with interest, I repaid them all. Did you give us an insight of what the numbers were? So people can understand. No, this runs into crores. Okay. This so I don't want to give specific but runs to crores. I was yeah. 22. You're twi- he was just 22 and you were managing. I them. was 22. Yeah. I had lost crores of money in stock markets and commodity markets. How do you handle that? Because you have, you have a strong belief of success against all odds. Yes. How do you handle something like this? So sometimes... Uh, they say blessing in disguise. So I didn't know what it meant to uh, lose, let's say, five crores or six crores. <laughs> I read in the books saying that Dhiru Bambani lost five hundred crores and he was he covered up, etc. So, so I thought maybe became a bliss. ignorance became a bliss. I mean, I didn't know that you know it's a big amount. So it went on like that till I realized that oh yeah, it, it is a big thing. So that's how it was. So I started growing it from there and then what, I started building business around. Work around that time because you would have family members panicking you would have your uh, team panicking so uh, team member did not know about it my family did not know what, what I did uh, in fact uh, chairman himself didn't know for quite some time that you had lost the money he had, lo- had lost so much of money so it was fine you know it was more of mental but yes let me tell you something where my friends used to spend time in parties and going out and having a nice life etc for the first 10 years it was no Sundays for me there was, no, there was nothing called Sunday, Monday, Tuesday etc it was all days working it's morning let's say 9 o'clock till night 9 o'clock it's only work because I was trying to search for myself I was trying to figure out what is right what is wrong what works what does not work raising funds paying back money arranging money you see it's not that easy to go and uh, catch individual clients when I started as wealth manager initially I thought oh I'm a wealth manager everybody will follow me because I'm in stock markets but that's not the reality because people say who are you you're a 22 year old guy why will I give the money to you so it becomes difficult. It is not that easy to kind of convince them. So we kind of build that clientele. We build those uh, things. It took some time, but then it did happen. So I mean, how do you go about it? So see, one of the things um, a lot of youth keep coming back to me and telling is that they're really scared if what if they fail. And this is a scenario where you handle yourself. So just to give them an understanding. When you keep plan B, plan C, okay, in life, then you have a lot of choices. You're scared of failing. You're scared of success, etc. Or you're wanting success. When you have no choice, there's no way you have to keep moving. So. This I learned from my mentor. So I realized that there's no choice. I mean, I there's nothing called failure or success. It's just that there are ups and downs. We have to face it and we'll see the success in the end of the day. We'll see the light in the t- end of the tunnel. So we just keep working. If you get into too much analysis, it leads to paralysis. Right. So we said, it's all right. Just keep working. Just keep working. But yes, the kind of journey I've had, I don't recommend youngsters to have it because it was a little hardcore but now things have become much better the ecosystem has become much better you know you have knowledge you have mentors you have guidance you have learnings these are podcasts where you can learn from others experiences there's so much around now so I would recommend today's youth to be more cautious in first analyzing and once they decide what they want to do then go all out but once you've decided that means you're sure after deciding and jumping into it then there's no point in thinking etc you know then you give your best then there's no plan B if you keep a plan B you won't succeed there's only one plan that's plan A that's it in that way what will happen is then there's no choice you are eating, drinking, sleeping, only one thing. I get inspired by the statement of Swami Vivekananda, which says that take up one thing in your life, eat, drink, sleep, only that idea, make it your life. Every DNA, every 
body cell of yours should talk only about that idea and then let me see why it will not succeed so it will happen it will happen there is no choice that cannot happen so human mind is made for that that if you if you can conceive it it can happen in reality they say no everything happens twice once in mind once in reality so if you are thinking in your mind that you are going to fail fail then yeah reality may you will fail so your focus was really on surviving the next day or Absol- going forward absolutely the entire game was all about surviving the next day i didn't have what will happen tomorrow but then yes to the team i always spoke about vision team never knew what it was you you had to reveal to your team and absolutely no absolutely no they had no idea but you know that's what i want to tell the youngsters that because i'm also saying that <laughs> that uh, in college the kind of networking you'll build the kind of goodwill you'll build will support you in future because in my low times loads of my friends at least 5 7 of them who actually stood by me because they, they had they were kind of happy with my networking with them or pr with them and my goodwill so they knew that money will not go anywhere and it's also important to actually display those qualities from day one of integrity because those help the long run could you give an example of how you display integrity because it's a very i was a school leader so uh, in college also if there's any issue i used to solve amongst my friends etc and i had no uh, ill relationship with any of my friends because i never spoke negative nor i kind of gossiped and i was not interested i was only interested in work growth laughter success i mean that's what it was absolutely so there's no jealousy absolutely i mean you do what you want in life i do what i want to do in my life so there were situations where if let's say two of my friends would have got into some trouble and they would have come to me i would have solved it or i would have given insight based on what is right not because somebody's close to me so those small small things you know people observe and notice we don't realize it and that's a one of my learnings that people really observe you for example let's say i didn't know that uh, punit knows so much about me but you've observed somewhere you've like, found out somewhere so we don't know that who's watching us who's listening to us so it's always better to have a so ultimately i realized that biggest virtue or biggest strength you can have is your character if you can get your character right and if your character is good everything falls in place because you, if your character is about integrity honesty hard work solid value it is a solid value it is a foundation that nothing can go wrong there will, see the reason why people experience ups and downs is not because of anything else you will listen all the guys who are successful in the world they said i had ups and downs because when we are born and do education you start from zero day you start learning when you start learning obviously you will have to fail because and you fall down because it's your learning i mean you don't know how it works and when somebody becomes 55 60 i'm i'm surprised they want to retire because they would have learned so mm-hmm. much and that is where the real journey should start and they want to retire so that's how the game is it's all it's all a part of life you should not worry too much about success failure i think there's too much of thought around it anyways you have to work you have to be busy why not take it up as one as your whatever you want to passion and give your best to it and let's see the result of how it comes out it will come out best but there's too much hullabaloo around what's success what's failure how will i get up what will happen what will happen to my life i mean it's too you're complicating your life too much keep it very simple keep it simple i mean you don't have to get into all that drama is what i feel i mean that's what at least i did i never realized what drama was until now because when i see people around I'm like oh so much drama i never thought about it <laughs> now when you ask your question i know oh, okay we never thought about it so sometimes as i told you ignorance is bliss so it has helped me how did you proceed from just focusing on risk and wealth management to starting all these okay. interesting and yeah it was interesting unheard of verticals yeah so what happened was that i was doing uh, stock market investments and then i kind of realized that only investing in stock market i lose money and i was losing money so i said i'll create a business around it so we was it at the same time when you had lost a lot of uh, yeah money? absolutely okay so we created a business around it let's say we means few people had joined my team and we created a business around it the business was all about entire wealth management entire financial services rather we had credit cards we had loans we had we had insurance we had all these things when we had built all this around and insurance particularly i took it up 
individually and I started meeting a lot of people. Because of insurance, what happened was that and financial services, I met loads of people, you know, and I started giving service to them. As I told you, first 10 years, I mean, we serviced Were you all on the sales base. Absolutely. I was on the road. Yeah. You see, that's the biggest challenge and biggest irony or, you know, people don't understand is they think that strategies are made in ivory towers. Strategies are made on the streets. When you get to know people, you get insights. So I had met loads of people, loads of clients, loads of relationships. In fact, I have closed deals where we are not even spoken about sales. We are not even spoken about product. We spoke on something else. That's why I was trying to tell you in my previous conversation about Polyman. In one of the deals, I remember we were discussing about how whiskey is good or bad for health. <laughs> and at the end of the day, and I was sitting in my client's car and we, we kind of drove down. He drove me down because he was running late for a meeting. I sat in his car and we just discussed about how whiskey is good for health versus beer, even though I don't drink. But we were discussing about it because I knew about it. And at the end of the day, as soon as I got down, he said, okay, talk to my finance guy and collect the check of 20 lakhs. These clients also saw a lot of connection with me. One or two people started referring somebody who wanted to start entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So when I started interacting with them, I said, okay, let's start this because I lost money in the stock market. We said, we'll start a, start a stock market institute. And started making a lot of people come into the entire fold. And we had a very simple concept of, you know, everybody earns, everybody grows. So that's how it started off. And then this was noticed by chairman and he was also for, he's always for entrepreneurship. He was encouraging entrepreneurs. So he said, I think you should continue doing this. Maybe you should build. So that's how, if you look at all the people who have joined, I mean, I've facilitated around 38 entrepreneurs. 22 have survived with us. 16 have moved on because of various reasons. They will survive. They want to go back to corporate world. They couldn't sustain the heat of entrepreneurship. All these guys are, I mean, I know them from either 10 years or 15 years. They all have been my clients, vendors, support system in my journey. So we know each other so very well. So that's how actually it happened. And I was associated with education because I was associated as an alumni of JN. So there are a few ventures in education. I experimented with a lot of technology because one of my friend actually was from IT guy who was my client. And he came on board. And when he came on board, I said, okay, well, let's experiment with IT. And like that, we had all these guys coming on board. So now, overall, uh, I have initiated around 22 ventures. Two have flopped and closed down. We'll talk about that. 22, yeah. 22 have survived. But then, even the one venture has paid me off the money, what all these administration 20. And right now, all these companies are managed by the entrepreneurs and I'm the group CEO. So, I mean, it's a great co- collaboration and co-creation which is happening here. So, I spend all my time in all these companies and spend time with them. I'm 24 bars into this. And great passion. And I have taken up one company which I want to build passionately on my own. Because I'm the CEO of that insurance broken mm-hmm. fund. The rest all I'm involved fully. So, that's how it's kind of taking shape and it has happened well. It's it's paying off well. At least satisfaction is there. Wonderful. But let's talk about those two ones that flopped. What were your learnings from that? And the ones that, what has been your learning? learnings and what has been your understanding of yourself? Yeah. And Few things. One is I realized that when you do partnerships, you need to be very clear from day one as to what is your role of each one. Two, you need to be very sure before you get into partnership whether that person really will add value. Three, always don't be too uh, gracious enough to invest. You know, it's all right. Don't worry. I'm there kind of thing. Because sometimes the opposite person also needs to realize the value of what you're bringing to the table in terms of money, support system. Otherwise, they won't care. They will take it casually. Four is whenever you're entering into a new area. For example, I entered into technology, but I entered with full throttle. You don't have to do it. Do a beta first. Always do a beta. Never go full on. Because that will kind of, if you fail by by any chance and you're fully out, you don't play all in. You don't have another chance. You, you cannot play all in in entrepreneurship. You need to play first beta. And once you're very sure, etc. And then you play the game. Those are a few things which went wrong. I invested huge on technology and it doesn't work so easily. And you always need to remember that you're a startup. So you need to do things in a very frugal fashion. You can't do it as though you have it all and you're uh, Ambani. Uh-huh. But even I'm sure even Ambani, yeah, but they do it, they do beta. They do beta and that's how they take it forward. Let's talk a little bit more about partnerships because a lot of students listening in this, their usual first partner is their best friend. And that's a terrible formula most of the time. 
my learning has been uh, very different partnerships because as i told you i've got 38 people my facilitator and partnerships so in the way they are like partners uh, first thing is you just don't start with the best friend you will spoil your relationship with him or her 99% of the time 1% is a very different game so it's always nice to search for people with have who have complementary skills friend is all right it's okay but as long as they have complementary skills as long as you guys have defined as to what you will do and what the opposite person do thus and very importantly is you need to understand the value system of both of you if the value system i mean there are small small things you can make out does he or she say that it's all right yeah we will not pay that person so you, you will get to know you'll get hints of the value system of each other if the value systems are not aligned it is bound to fail it is bound to fail there is no choice so before partnerships you need to know that what exactly is your value system are you both in sync if you require to spend some time for example mindtree had 10 founders but they spent enough and more time to read uh, subodh bakshi's book in understanding each other and understand the value system that's why you see mindtree has grown brilliantly recently there was uh, lnd was trekking over but still the entire stakeholders st- uh, employees everybody stood for lnd deal was good bad is not our concern the concern was the display of culture which uh, the organization as a whole it was displayed so it's very important let's talk a little about culture mm-hmm. yes develop the very energetic and positive culture inside basket option in yes. fact if you ever find yourself entering basket option office you'll see a caution board right outside yeah <laughs> which is entering a high energetic zone absolutely so i i, I believe that uh, there's a old saying no culture eats strategy at breakfast okay what it means is that everything is about culture everything is about culture and the organizational head or the founder or the ceo is actually holds the responsibility of building the culture from top for example in basket option if somebody enters within no time he has to be served tea and coffee and water it's a very smallest thing not an employee but a guest any any guest comes in it's a very very small thing two you can leave even lakhs of rupees on the table if you not get picked up by anyone the reason is it has to be imbibed it has to be thought it has to be communicated over and over again it's based on your personality it's based on your character what you want to see a company all about the reason is most of the organizations die after the founder founder kind of wavers or you know he something happens to the founder or he moves out it's because he has not imbibed the same culture because culture can sustain the organization long after the founders most of the big large organizations mncs whom you'll see that the founder is nowhere there available but then yeah. still runs for decades or some companies for centuries why because of culture so culture is very important you guys need to spend it cannot be defined it is little vague for you to understand unless you really feel it if you're a young student so he or she needs to do a lot of study and understand and think about subconsciously over a period of time as they experience life they will get to know about what culture is but it's very important how do you how do you build something like culture when you're starting it off you have that first team for example i said that every month we should have a monthly meeting every month for saturday that's been happening for last 14 years it's like a religion it has to have a culture so sometimes by chance if i'm tiring the, the team members ask me this month we didn't we're not having a monthly meeting it's something like that it's as simple as that and it goes on to a lot of small small things which you build over a period of time and you learn see for example let's say one of your employees coming regularly late but the culture of the organization is everybody's equal everybody's equal so whoever you are you may be the head whatever tail doesn't matter you need to come on time irrespective of who you are this and culture also builds over a period of time as you learn in the organization a lot of new people new team members bring in new thought processes so you need to identify what is right what is wrong what is that you have envisaged for your company and based on that you'll have to build the culture of the organization and culture building is through communication through time and again talking about it time and again making decisions to show to people that this is what we stand for example one of the employees who had joined us long back actually took 250 rupees from a customer mm-hmm. for a claim service without telling us we fired him 
It took two fifty rupees for claim. For claim servicing, okay. it's yeah. supposed to take on, on top. for for company. It's supposed to be company's money. Mm-hmm. Because there's something we had started a new service where we had some charges was not our customer. We charge for cust were not our customer mm-hmm. to, to give the claim service. After servicing, he took the two fifty rupees. I'm talking about long, long back. And after some time, that customer said, "Yeah, hey, I send the two fifty rupees check." It's a very, very small amount. You don't even have to think about it. But then, as a board, we said that no, this is not the right culture. You can't take the money. You should have asked. Since you took it and you accepted it, you're guilty for it. We'll give you two months' notice. We'll give you surveillance package also, but you need to. We sent him off. After that, then not a single rupee happens in organization. So you learn also. Culture cannot be built. You cannot define that. Okay, this is what I want, and this is how it will arrange. Kind of frame. It has it to be. It cannot different. be. It it, it right. is like amoeba. I mean. There's no shape. You, over a period of time, you keep building it. You'll have a broad guidelines that you know we will not. We'll ensure that customers are happy. We'll ensure that employees are happy. We'll ensure that nothing wrong we do. We'll ensure that we'll have compliances. We'll not cheat. All the broad guidelines will be there. Based on that, you will kind of frame your own culture of the organization. So every organization will have a different culture. Your attitude about being a game changer and rebelling old traditions and business practices and even in industry approaches. How have you gone about it, Abdul? Is it something you do it consciously, or is it something that you've been a rebel? So if you look at it, at the age of sixteen, I had this Panasonic mobile phone. That time, that time it was incoming or incoming outgoing was some twenty-two rupees. How can a student at age of seventeen have a mobile phone? I had a pager at that time. I had a mobile phone. I was the only guy in my community that time to get into becoming. Take up MBA, become entrepreneurship, leave family business. So, for example, I've always believed that all of us have their own path, our own paths. We need to identify what path we want, want to go, and actually stick onto it. So, for me, it comes natural. We always believe, and you know, it's become a culture. And I've always believed that you need to be a rebel in not a negative sense, in a positive sense, to bring about a change. In a, in the industry also, if there's something going wrong, or you feel that there can be things which can be done better fashion, you need to stand for it and talk about it. And you need to do it in your own fashion. It may be smallest way of doing it, but others will start soon following it. Could you give an example that you know, for example, can listen, I, I realized that in 2004-2005, when you uh, log up insurance policy, now people get a policy in one minute. That time it was almost 10 days, 15 days, 20 days. We used to follow up with the insurance company. Then offline it has to be brought out and given. That time we had promised a customer, whatever you do a policy within 24 hours, we give it to you. So literally we fought with a lot of insurance companies. We were agents, we were small agents. In our own fashion we fought and we actually got it in three days. Got it into three days. And slowly the industry started shifting towards 24 hours. Then started shifting 24 minutes. Now it happens instantly. But then we kind of say that no, we need to service customers. How do you spot these gaps? Because I've observed you spot a lot of gaps uh, whether it's insurance, whether it's about starting a marathon out of nowhere, whether it's about yeah. doing all these ventures. So the, How do you do it? When you're ro- really focused on what you're doing, you'll start thinking about it a lot. When you start thinking, you start getting a lot of insights and start observing. For example, let's say if you're in the industry of insurance, you start observing, hey, what is the pain point? What do people want? Meet some customers, you realize, yeah, you claim insurance company. That means, oh, there's a gap in claims. Then you start, somebody says that, no, that communication is not come to me. That means there's a gap in communication. So there are small, small things which you observe when you're focused. When you're not focused, you will not be able to see these signs. And, and believe me, the entire best of companies are built on small insights. They are not built on great strategies. They are built on small insights. And then there are studies around those in small insights. For example, uh, uh, Steve Jobs said that we launched that uh, iPod with 2,000 songs in his pocket. What did he found? He found that his daughter or somebody was saying that, you know, I love songs, but you now we had to keep recording and putting in that cassette, etc. He said, hey, fantastic idea. Let me solve it to technology. Because he was aware of his environment. He was aware of what's happening around. And that's also a great example of uh, being a, maybe a polymath or an observer because he was not supposed to be in the music industry. There is a problem in the music industry which he solves through technology. So you need to be a clean observer. You need to be focused in your business. You need to keep seeing around what's happening. As I told you, the biggest challenge what I see in youngsters and my age or elders that older than me is as soon as we start achieving some success, we start getting the ego. Mm-hmm. Get laid back. You get laid back. You know, you stop doing things uh, which gave you the success and then say that why am I not becoming successful again? Because you've stopped doing those things. 
For example, most of them will stop meeting customers. Most of them will stop seeing also what's happening on operational level. They see data, but data can be misleading. For example, insurance companies say that out of 100, 98% of the claims you have settled. Fantastic. But of the 98%, how many of them suffered for months together? Oh, that gets lost in the data. That gets lost in the data. So those insights are very important to build a business. So it's about looking at granularity and then having a pattern. So recently I was... Uh, Jack Ma or somebody was saying that you, know, you need to be obsessed with your customer. Obsessed. So you need to be obsessed with your customer, your vendors, your partners, your employees. Say that what is their pain point? It's about thoughtfulness. What is their pain point? What can I solve? Or not only what can I solve, you just have to go with the flow that is there any pain point? Why are the customers so unhappy? Why is somebody unhappy? Why can't they be happy? When you get into that attitude, you start finding a lot of answers. Talking about pain point, you track with so many entrepreneurs, uh, not just in basket options, but all the colleges that you do, to all the public engagements you do. What has been the common pain points that initial entrepreneurs face, especially if they are young and so out of college? So, uh, biggest challenge, uh, what I see, what they're facing is you know, they don't have direction. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know whether their idea is right or wrong. They don't have money. Okay. And uh, they don't have that confidence that you know, they should take it up and do well. And one of the ch- one of the things which I see common in everybody is somehow they get they start getting the meet concept. My restaurant khol dunga, my beauty parlor khol dunga. Example. The very very common things which are already existing in the thing. So this, this is a me too. If you really want to just do a business, is fine. But you want to build an entrepreneurial system or entrepreneurship uh, growth, then you need to really figure out innovative ways of doing things, different ways of doing things. In fact, uh, I was reading a recent case study in newspaper which says that these guys launched. You have a, a virtual. Uh, you can create your own team in IPL. Yeah. Okay, and Team uh, Eleven. This is. Yeah. yeah. Team Eleven. Team Eleven. What a fantastic thought! Everybody watches cricket. How come these guys got a thought? <laughs> See, you will say, okay, it's a me to concept from the football. There's already possibility, possibility, in, but uh, then Europe. Europe, right? You see, yeah. see, you can always learn from other uh, industries right. and other countries. Nothing wrong. Okay. Yeah. But then, for example, let's say he started this team level mm-hmm. started. Now, let's say you and me also start the same thing. Next hundred people also start the same thing. I was in uh, Kerala yesterday, and the city I was finding that so many football turfs have come out. So many. So everything is me too. I mean, how will it survive? If you have ten football turfs, it's fine. But everything is football turfs. It happens in across the states, across the countries, because all human beings. I mean, it's it's tough to think, you see. It's not that easy. So, that's where we are. How do you find balance, Abdul? Because you've put in uh, most of your day goes into building either one of the companies mm-hmm. or in an engagement somewhere or somewhere. You're so packed up. Uh, do you have a personal life? Do you still do uh, have hobbies? How Absolutely. Do you- so, it's it's about uh, prioritizing things, you know. So for example, morning till, uh, let's say, evening I'm on to work. Evening I have my gym. Uh, I have uh, good travel schedule on work as well as uh, passion tours. I have done skydiving, scuba, bike rides, cycle rides, running. Now uh, I plan to uh, learn shooting, dancing. It's all right. You can always find time for it. See, it's, it's about balance. If you are able to balance and keep the things in your mind, right, and if you're focused, you will find. Because as I told you again, the more I have experience with all this, the more it adds value to my business. Yeah. It gives new thoughts and new perspectives, which generally we will not have. That's how it works. In fact, I love, I have observed this in Chimra Jain and you, that both of you have such amazing learning streak and a hunger. I remember when I was interning at Basket Option, I entered your office and I'd seen this uh, book on vocabulary, English vocabulary. Yeah. And for a second, I thought, okay, must be just there. But then I just flipped through and I see uh, notes in pencil yeah. at different words, circle, underline. So, so, um, it's about thirst for knowledge. It's about thirst for knowledge. So if you have more thirst for knowledge, on a, as I told you, everyday basis, you're able, you're searching for things to learn. And that's where a good mentor does for you. He's always been like that. He still learns and he still doesn't have any air of He's a chairman. He's built it. He's done, been there, done that. So kind of, it's very inspiring. So if you also have a thirst for knowledge, it's not about the immediate. See, there's something called, you can take few things from few people who are successful, which are good for you. Right. 
nothing wrong. His discipline is very good. So you can take it from him. He's got a good thirst for knowledge. You can take it from him. So that way, it also shapes your personality. Your mental definitely adds to your personality for good things. See, so that's how I think it's always been a thirst for knowledge. So we always want to learn some new people, new youngsters. Now, for example, I'm learning about podcasts in a different fashion now. So as we're talking about on podcasts, I'm thinking that how I'll build podcasts for my insurance company, uh, broking house. So it's like that. You know, you always learn. If you become close-minded, you don't grow. After having been doing all these activities, running so many companies, traveling 25 plus countries, getting the exposure that you've got, what is the impact that you seek to make? So what I feel is that there's a whole saying that says that invest in yourself so much that people should be ready to invest on you. And right now I'm solving pieces in my business. But my real aim is actually to solve society's problems, which I have few in my mind. But I feel that I've initiated in a very, very small fashion. Can you share? What? For example, there are problems like, I mean, we see India growing and the economy, etc. But still, such a big economy and there are few people who, who sleep without food. How is that possible? There are few states which do not have light. There are few people who do not have job. I mean, in fact, we are at the highest um, uh, unemployment rate. So I feel that there has to be an answer for all this in a very innovative fashion. So I don't know have the answers. But I actually, for example, Rebel is one such initiative where we do every year new concepts. This time is going to be a bicycle ride in December. And we drive, this time we drive, the point which you're going to drive is about water. See what's happening to Bangalore. You don't have water. You don't have trees. You don't have good air. Everything is concretized. So in fact, for the Rotary Midtown Club, which I am part of, we have initiated a new project called Urban Forest. So we have already done three urban forests. If you do 400 urban forests in Bangalore, the temperature will come down by 2 to 3 degrees. That water table will go up by 50 feet. 400 urban forests? 400 urban, if you plan 400. We have done around 3 as of now. See, it can be done in 100 square feet, but we have done quite a bit, 10,000 square feet each. Just come 3 we have done. So there are small, small things we take care of. Recently, we did a walkathon with 4,500 people participating to promote skin donation. People don't know about skin donation at all. So we did that and now the entire Bangladesh knows about skin donation. In last 3 years, the skin bank had got 30 pledges and donations. And uh, in that walkathon, one day we got 500 pledges. People know about it. So these are small things which kind of, you know, I want to add value. And I want to add value with the learnings that I've had. For example, walkathon was the direct learning of marathon which I've done before. And so my that's country, my yeah. country. So that's how, you know, you learn and you know, you start adding value. And I want to create a lot larger impact. And I feel it, it does happen if you're really focused on it. If you're really focused on creating, solving pain, pain points. If you're thoughtful, actually more than focused, I would say that you should be thoughtful of your environment around you, of people who are doing good, of people who are not at all doing good. How can you add value to them? Of your business, of society at large. You can just be conscious of it. You can just be thoughtful of it. And one spark, there will be bulldozers of people sitting to support add value to society. But they may not be getting that idea and your one spark can actually kind of lit the entire fire so I don't know maybe we'll add much larger impact in this wonderful looking forward to it how can how can anybody reach out to you uh, if they want to so I'm more comfortable on mail if they can write a mail abdulgseth.basketoption.com I'm more than happy to abdulgseth.basketoption.com it's b-a-s-k-e-t-o-p-t-i-o-n.com and I'm more than happy to touch such an insightful and inspiring conversation in general Absolutely. Thank you so much. Just pleasure being on this podcast. And I wish good luck for Galata podcast. I'm sure it's going to reach great heights. Good luck. Go make some Galata.